be a little bit more prepared in the beginning, um, understand true costs of what it will take. Um, I, like I had the fortunate of having a little bit of a savings plus retirement income, but plan out your, I can do this. I, I have six months to start making some revenue and what is my minimum revenue point? This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Michael Crandall. And uh, Michael is a a quick introduction. So graduated uh, from high school, went to college, no shocker there, got a political science degree, um, was going to be a lawyer and then changed courses and has ended up signing up for the military. Um, was, I think, in the military for a period of time, every four, four years would uh, re-up and uh, re-enlist, was there for about 20 years and retired from the military, um, got a job as, as a, with the business as a, did a lot of big uh, government uh, contract work and then decided to start his own uh, business from there and has been expanding ever since. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Michael. Thank you, Devin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I just took a much longer journey and condensed it into 30 seconds. So <laughs> uh, maybe we'll unpack that a bit. So with that, um, tell us a little bit of how your journey got started in high school and college, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, I, um, in high school, always wanted to be a lawyer and uh, went off to poli sci. And after four years of college, realized I was a uh, burnout on schooling. So decided, hey, I'm going to join the uh, military and see the world, do that for a few years. And uh, they offered me some education into the computers and IT and cyber before it was really called cyber. Mm-hmm. And uh, that piqued my interest. And they sent me to Europe. So I was enjoying Europe. And every four years, they teased me with uh, another assignment in Europe <laughs> and more training. So then 20 years later, oops, didn't make it to law school, uh, <laughs> retired from the military. I went to work for a large government contracting company. Now, one question, just because you're, so you, you know, had a best of intentions. We're going to go into be a, an attorney. Yeah. Well, maybe that was a good thing you didn't, but uh, who knows? I'm, I buy, I like attorneys. I know a lot of <laughs> like law school, um, but so you did that and you go, go into the army, do that for a period of time. Now you could, was it the, when you got done with the, I think it was around 20 years or so was the intent of, Hey, I, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'd like to step out and try something different. Was it, you couldn't re-up anymore. And that was, you know, you'd hit the limit as to what they would allow you to do or kind of what prompted that transition from doing the, the military to doing, or to going and uh, working on the, in private air business. Yeah. I, um, after 20 years and multiple deployments, I was kind of broken down physically. Um, so I'm a um, certified disabled veteran. Um, so yeah, it was just time couldn't keep up with the PT and the physical standards. So, you know, I made it to the 20 and decided to, uh, pull the golden handle, golden bear shoot and get out and see what was new on the other side. Hey, I don't blame you at all. So, um, so now you say, okay, pull the, you know, the golden handle, the parachute or whatever that is, I'm going to retire, you know, or at least retire out of the military, maybe not retire in the sense of no longer working. And so you're coming out of the military and how did you decide kind of what was next? It was just, Hey, I had a buddy and I had a giant job lined up and, or, Hey, <laughs> I knew this is the area I wanted to go in and government contracts is greater. 
this is the only thing that's going to pay me any money now. So what was kind of that, uh, that transition or how did you figure out what you're going to do as you left the military? Yeah, it basically boiled down to, um, I had thir- uh, 90 days of terminal leave. That's like vacation time that I'd stored up. So I had 90 days off after I retired and I took the first 30 and thought, I'm just going to relax and do nothing. And then everyone said, you know, coming out of the military with a clearance, you get a job, no worries. Well, I get into my second 30 days and I'm putting out my applications and resume and thinking like, well, any minute now, any minute (laughs) Uh, into month three, I started to get nervous uh, about what would uh, be next. And then the job offer started to come in and it was government contracting, you know, people I had met or knew from when I was in the military, um, looking in their commercial jobs, who they were previous military. So uh, I kind of just stepped into it from there because it was what I knew. Hmm. And, uh, so, and I think that makes sense. A lot of times you're saying, you know, I'm going to, first of all, I need to make an income, need to make money and what, uh, what comes available, you know, that's reasonable within uh, what I'd like to do and what, with the, what I need to get paid. You take that. And so you're saying, okay, this is something I'm familiar with. I'm comfortable with. It's, you know, it's a good job. And you go from there and you say, or how long did you, you stay with the, you're doing the government contract work? Well, I, um, initially thought I got the job and I was happy and, you know, being a military guy and doing 20 years with one company, the military, I thought, well, I'm going to, I found my company, let me work my way up and I'll stay with them. And I started as a technical writer and worked my way up to director of operations um, during a five-year period. Uh, but what also happened was we were bought three times. So I was actually hired by three different companies, even though I stayed in the same kind of, you know, business structure, uh, the ownership changed. And on the third purchase, um, I had kind of promoted myself into a position that they duplicated and didn't want to bring me on to the new company. They kept who they had. I got paid a severance and uh, my choice was go looking for a job again or branch out and, you know, put it out there and see what I could do on my own. So now, and so now as you kind of come or come up with that, or you're looking to say, okay, got those two choices. How did you weigh those? Cause you know, up until this point in your career and nothing wrong with it by any means, you've worked for someone else and you know, you've had, you work for the military and with the government, and then you work for a big uh, business. And now you're saying, you know, what was it? What was the tipping point of saying, hey, I'd rather go try something out on my own, do something else uh, versus yeah. trying to go find another job. Yeah. I found that I, um, when I was working to me newly out of the military, what I, the civilian world, you know, this brand new civilian world, I would go out to um, DC, their headquarters, and I'd be the first one in at seven 30 and I'd be the last one out about seven o'clock at night. Um, and I just looked around and realized people weren't putting in that level of effort. And I thought, well, if I'm going to continue working the way I've kind of just been brought up to work, um, I might as well do that for myself. Uh, and while in the beginning, the, um, the pay won't be the same because I'm starting out without any, um, I knew that I had my military benefits to kind of fall back on. And I think in America, one of the biggest concerns people have is healthcare. I had healthcare covered. So with healthcare covered and enough to cover the mortgage, I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, now's the time to do it. And that's Mm -hmm. what I did. I jumped out and no, I mean, and I think that that's a, a bit of a great place to be, right? In other words, 
you have you're not uh, you have some of the benefits you're able to to a level support yourself and otherwise have a bit of that you know safety net in a good way and so you're saying okay now with that as a as an ability to go forth why not you know why not rather than simply going and working you know the extra hours and the you know the night you know the nights and weekends and those type of things why not uh, put that uh, time and effort into building you know doing it for for yourself and building something out so makes perfect sense at least to me now as you're doing that uh, you know as you're starting out how did it go was it just a rocket ship to the top and just everybody you know people are banging down your doors to to get to, to get business and to, to pay you money or is it hey it was a, a long ramp up and it took a while to figure out where you were gonna where the business was gonna be or kind of how was that to transition as you're doing your own thing we um we were lucky it wasn't a meteoric rise to the top um i would say it was a nice bump and steady climb um we started out in federal contracts because that's kind of what I knew. So I was chasing federal contracts. And within six months, we got a fairly large federal contract with um, four employees working overseas. So that kept the lights on. Now we were an actual business, had revenue, (laughs) you know, could hang a shingle, know what was going on. Um, And then that grew into two contracts um, and then we kind of pivoted and decided we wanted to start chasing um, commercial work. So we started chasing small to medium sized business work. And that's been slowly growing. Um, so, yeah, it w- over we've been doing this now for five years. So I would say the federal contracts we got in the early days and then subsequently have helped us keep the lights on. Allow us to show a nice steady income. And then our commercial work has been projects and other growth, you know, kind of incremental. Hey, well, that's that's a good thing to be able to keep the lights on, that you have a paycheck and be able to give yourself or self, you know, give yourself and other employees a time to expand and grow the business is a great or great great direction to be and makes it uh, you know doable and making a sustainable business. So now we kind of fast forward a bit to where you're at today, and you know, so you take. You know, and, and this is for the audience. How long have you been doing the your own business now? We started in November 2015. So we're so, coming up on six years. So coming up on six years and, you know, now kind of saying, okay, we've got continue to build a business and you grow it a bit, get in there, you know, continue to su- sustain things. Now looking at a bit at the, the next, you know, six to 12 months. So projecting a little bit out into the future, where do you see things headed? Is it kind of just a continual steady growth? Is it a pivot? Is it an adjustment? unknown or too hard to tell or kind of where do you see the next uh, six to 12 months going for you well we actually just opened an office in london ontario um canadian government asked us to uh, open a subsidiary so we're also digital beachhead canada now and uh, we've opened an office there and the goal is to grow in the um, life sciences and manufacturing up there they have a lot of manufacturing and um, life science kind of requirements for cyber and so that was kind of they asked us to come up to help fill that gap which we were fortunate enough to be asked so our our pivot focus is now north of the border and seeing what we can do for canadian expansion well that's awesome that's definitely uh, exciting to be able to expand into additional countries expand the footprint and otherwise um, continue to to grow and, and, and be successful so it sounds like a great direction to head well, now as we've kind of caught up a bit to where your journey is today and even or where your journey is taking you today and even looking a bit to the future, I always love to ask uh, two questions at the end of each journey. So we'll jump to those now. 
So the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what did you learn from it? <laughs> uh, not being prepared for the finances at the startup. Um, we assumed looking online at a small business loan through you know the SBA is something that you just go to the SBA and say, hi, I'm starting a new business. <laughs> Give me my money. <laughs> That would be an awesome. Just hey, I'm gonna do. I I got an idea for a business. I need ten million dollars. What do you think? Oh, sure. What do you think? Let's open yeah. the bank. And we found out being a <laughs> being a cyber company, every bank told us, and that's what we didn't realize is the SBA loans are through banks, not through the SBA directly. They just held back them. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to have some sort of collateral, and you can't put up your homes. You can't. Um, put up personal collateral and our business consisted of a phone and a laptop at that time. There was, you know, we have, they literally said if we were a construction company, you know, we would have had assets that they would have loaned us money that they knew they would have gotten back. Uh, Loaning us money on a, we're going to get customers one day (laughs) just didn't fly. And so what we learned was there are organizations out there that understand the federal government business and can mm-hmm. give you loans against contracts so that they knew, but we ended up funding ourselves. We found this out down the line, you know, and um, there are agencies that will say, you have a federal contract, it's worth this much. We'll front three months salary for your employees because that's what you need to cover. Hmm. So we, you know, the, <laughs> if we'd done a little bit more like business research other than, okay, we have a name, let's go sell it. Hey, it could have been a whole different story. But on the other hand, you know, maybe the the inexperience or not uh, knowing that was a benefit in the sense now you had to figure out how to bootstrap it, how to do these things, and you weren't able to simply go and you know rely on the the government, so to speak, or you know the SBA, not necessarily the government, but getting a loan. But rather, you had to figure it out. Now you can maintain that. It forces you to figure out the ways to make it. profitable and possible without relying on, you know, debt. So I think that it, it sounds like it was overall, it was a, a great, uh, great experience. Even if, if you'd done a little bit more research on the front end, it might've uh, helped to accelerate or otherwise take me in a different direction. Failure is always an opportunity. So exactly. when we failed to get the money up front, we, we found other opportunity and that drove us. Absolutely. So now second question I'll ask is, you talk to somebody that's just getting into a startup or small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, be a little bit more prepared in the beginning. Um, understand true costs of what it will take. Um, I, like I had the fortunate of having a little bit of a savings plus retirement income, but plan out your, I can do this. I, I have six months to start making some revenue and what is my minimum revenue point? Um, You know, there's always what I call the crap or get off the pot point to where if you're doing a current job and you're trying to build a new organization, one is taking too much of your time, but the new organization probably isn't paying you what you've been making or what you're used to. Hmm. At some point, you got to know when to pull the trigger and just trust your gut and go for it. No, I think of that. And I think, you know, it's interesting the the trusting your gut and, you know, sometimes you're saying, oh, my gut's always wrong. But, you know, a lot of times if you were able to, if you were to 
do that, you know, almost what you said, or do that little bit of homework and taking, you know, some of those takeaways and do a little bit of research, making or be able to have an educated gut and then they're simply pulling the trigger because you can also get the analysis paralysis where, you know, you're always trying to get more research, you're always trying to get more information, you're always trying to do it and you go to such an extreme that you don't, you want to de-risk it such that you never have to trust your gut because you know all the answers, you're never going to get started. So I think that there is that takeaway of, of kind of finding that balance. And we say that in cybersecurity, there is no cybersecurity, there's only risk management. And it's the same with a business, you're never going to be 100%, because you never know what's around the corner. I mean, we just had COVID, right? No one knows what's going to happen. So you do your risk management and say, where, where can we accept risk? And what risk am I willing to uh, mitigate, etc. And then you just have to go. No, and I think that that's uh, definitely a, a great takeaway, because you know, it's a lot of the same thing that we as an attorneys, everybody wants to say, well, you know, is there any way that I can make sure or guarantee I don't get uh, sued? And it's like, well, you can do things to reduce that likelihood and best prepare for it. But anybody can file a lawsuit. And it doesn't matter if it's legitimate or not, you get to still deal with it. And that's yeah. part of the legal system. And so it's more about that risk mitigation. How do I anticipate what are my biggest risks? What are my or like best likelihoods? And how do I avoid or adjust to or reduce those risks as best I can and otherwise prepare for it. And then you just have to go under, we don't have perfect knowledge and we're not going to be able to perfectly be able to address those. And we're going to do the best we can. So as an attorney, you don't give guaranteed wins. <laughs> if I could give guaranteed wins and I could actually meet the guarantee, I would be uh, one in a million attorneys. Uh, there may be some attorneys that guarantee wins and those are the ones you want to run from because they exactly. can't guarantee it. They're just lying to you to try and get your money. Yep. So as we now uh, wrap up the podcast and uh, people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Uh, You can reach out to us at uh, our website, digitalbeachhead.com or on email info at digitalbeachhead.com. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to, to reach out, connect, and uh, otherwise uh, make a new best friend, if nothing else. Now Perfect. with that, um, you know, for all, or thank you again for coming on the podcast, Michael. Now for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have or have you. Um, just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. A couple more things, make sure to like, subscribe, and otherwise uh, leave us a review because we want to make sure that everybody finds out about all these awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Thank you again, Michael, for coming on the podcast. And I wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you. 